right, welcome to Got the Plot, a movie podcast for the uninformed, where your favorite movies are explained to those who don't know shit about them. Uh, I'm your host, Zach Ackerman, recurring panelist, and today I'm joined by Grant Schwab and Ian Callahan. Grant, Ian. Grant, Ian. Hey, Zach. Uh, happy to be here. Long time, <laughs> long time listener. Uh, first time caller. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Uh, yeah, so Grant, Ian, and I go back to our undergrad days at UVA. Uh, we've always been uh, kind of a little bit of a crew previously a podcast crew on another show that was odd, short-lived but uh highly reputed please don't um, say the name <laughs> yeah and... no longer extant um <laughs> you, you can manually find the tapes in the library of congress but it's available nowhere else yeah so you know you'll probably never hear it but just know it was very good better <laughs> than you think and <laughs> um just to kind of like kick us off here and a uh, space for you guys to give a little bit of background about yourselves. Can each of you tell me what your favorite movie going, I should say movie theater going experience has been, if you have one? Grant, do you want to start? Ooh, that is an excellent question. And if I were to think long about it, um, I'm sure I could come up with a few, but the first off the top of my head is when I saw Boyhood. Uh, which is Richard Linklater movie filmed over 12 years with the, I think it's 12 years with the characters aging in real time. Mm -hmm. And it came out, I want to say in 2014. And it it is a movie that because it's not very plot driven and it's very long, it's I think north of three hours. It's not something I've actually ever returned to, but seeing it cinematically was very very cool uh it it mapped very closely onto where i was at the time the the main character it tracks him from ages six to 18 and i saw it when i was 19 so Mm -hmm. so feeling like i was there along with the character and reaching the culmination at, at the same point that he was uh was was very special it was very cool yeah, I know we're all, well, I, actually, I won't speak for Ian, but I know you may be a big link later, guys, so I'm not surprised to hear that, but excellent choice. Um, Ian? Yep. Um, so I think few honorable mentions. Uh, the first time that I saw uh, La La Land, I did not know that it was a musical. <laughs> I just knew that it was a rom-com with Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Um so when the first big musical number started uh, a minute into the movie, my friend and I just looked at each other whispering, is, is this a musical? <laughs> um, and really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Um, I think that seeing The Dark Knight when I was, oof, I don't know, like 13-ish, 14-ish when that movie came out mm-hmm. um, was probably the time when I walked out of the movies like the most man that was the greatest movie ever kind of feeling yeah um but I think the best movie theater experience was probably seeing uh James Cameron's Avatar um I actually I think we got there late my friends and I and the only seats were in the front so we actually just sat on the stairs uh like all the way up at the top um but seeing that movie 
on the big screen in theaters was maybe like the movie blockbuster experience. Yeah. All excellent choices. Um, I, the La La Land thing kills me. That is so good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was right on the, it was right on the heels of uh, crazy, stupid love. So it was like, Oh, love them in that one. I bet I'll love them in this one. And I did no more research. (laughs) Um, well, uh, another movie that you don't know much about is Donnie Darko, which is the movie that we're going to talk about today. Neither of you have seen it. I have seen it. I am going to be the sort of movie leader today. Y'all two are my pupils and students, and you get to hear it firsthand from me, spoiled by Zach. Uh, and Donnie Darko, what it is at a very high level, is it's, it, I'm going to say it's a, it's a cult movie at this point. It gained a lot of traction after its release among a smaller audience. It was released in 2001. It's directed by Richard Kelly, and this was really like the first time he ever got any sort of a budget to make a movie. He's actually from Virginia, not far from where I am in Richmond. Um, he went to Midlothian High School, which is a suburb of Richmond. Uh, and it has Jake Gyllenhaal, Jenna Malone, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Drew Barrymore. It's a really impressive cast. Patrick Swayze as well. And it is set in October of 1988. And it follows Jake Gyllenhaal playing, playing the lead character of Donnie Darko. And he's like this troubled teenager who sort of through a bizarre accident ends up being at the center of a very sort of strange interdimensional issue and the world is going to end in 28 days and he is responsible for somehow preventing that with the help of those around him and some strange interdimensional beings including a man in a bunny suit that help him get through it named frank i have a question before you continue uh, well, first, let me just say that that's kind of all the uh, all the summary I'm going to give for now. But go ahead with your question. Well, my, maybe I, I don't know what the next segment is, but my question is, how is this any different from Halloween Town? <laughs> OK, so the difference. Is it doesn't it's sound a, very different. It's Caroline watched it. <laughs> my partner watched it you know, a few days ago, Halloween Town, and there's an interdimensional conflict with the world ending or the world of halloween ending which is even worse than the regular world ending and (laughs) and there are costumes and and there is an epic of saving the world this sounds the same yeah might Uh, i might i also suggest uh ghostbusters yeah i mean i'd love to entertain both of those (laughs) questions (laughs) but uh, you know, I think that as we get into it, it'll speak for itself of why it's different. But, you know, I, I, I love the enthusiasm. I want to pass it over to the two of you and ask kind of to, the, to a, like a little mini, uh, you know, portion of the episode that we do at the beginning is always what do you what we know so far. So of the two people who have not seen it, Grant and Ian, what do you guys kind of know about this movie without having watched it? What do you know already? So... All that I have seen is one photo from the movie, which is Jake Gyllenhaal uh, sitting in, I think it's a movie theater, Mm -hmm. uh, watching a movie. And Frank, was his name? Frank the Bunny is in the row behind him. That's all I got. Yeah. Okay. That's like, that is, that is all you know about this movie. That's like, that's it. 
Yeah, pretty no, much. That's, like, no, that's mo- you no, know, that's good. I mean, I'm just <laughs> I just was gonna say like I didn't. I mean, strap strap in, dude. Strap in. Yeah, okay. Most, <laughs> most of your high level description, I was like, huh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> and Grant, I mean, you told me not to, but of course, I'm <laughs> I'm looking <laughs> I'm looking at movie posters for Donnie Darko, um, and I'm not ruining anything. I promise. By looking at these. There's this rabbit guy or this rabbit mask. I don't know if it's an actual rabbit or a person in a rabbit mask. Featured very, very, very prominently. It seems like this is the sort of central figure. I, I would guess maybe spirit guide, but also antagonist to Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, that is my guess from the poster. As far as what I know about this movie is exactly what you said. I know it's a cult favorite, but I know nothing else about it. Okay. All right. Yeah, this is like, I, I love it. We're going in very blind. Um, I'm going to have a lot to say then. Um, so I'm just going to kick it off. Okay, get ready. Here we go. The actual movie. Here is Donnie Darko. Are you going to play okay. it? Just, oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to basically be like I'm playing it. So we're going to, okay, so we open outside in like what is kind of like a mountainous area and because we all went to uva and this guy's from the suburbs of richmond it's kind of like that area of 81 like it's kind of like shenandoah valley-esque right and donnie jake gyllenhaal donnie sorry i don't interrupt my eyes are closed and i am there okay great so i'm really glad that you didn't want to interrupt (laughs) yeah yeah. thanks for saying that that made it it a lot better um so he so donnie is there it's very early morning and he basically just wakes up okay like the dude apparently slept here he wakes up and he looks out at the landscape and you can just tell that this is not that they're not really on a mountain like i've never seen like it's it's just so clearly like a screen or just like a painting of a vista that he's looking at (laughs) But he's like, it's like kind of weird. And then he's like looking around like, how the fuck did I end up here? And then he kind of smiles to himself like, <laughs> like, this is weird. And then he gets on his bike and he bikes home. And that is like, and then it's like, title, Donnie Darko. Did, like, that is the beginning of the movie. <laughs> did, did they have you fooled even for a second that this is a real backdrop? No, it's like very, at least for me, like immediately I was just, I always think about it. Every time I watch it, I'm like, this doesn't even look like it. Like, it doesn't look real. Um but yeah, so Donnie's on his bike and he's biking home. And oh, sorry, hold on. One more thing. The way you describe it, it sounds like he very quickly accepts and is fine with the, with the situation. Up. Yes. A hundred percent. He is like, he is just like, oh, I guess I got to get home. Like he's just kind of sulking around like a little teenager who's like, you know what I mean? I just get into hijinks. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> painted, painted landscape. Got to go. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, so he, so he's now on the bike. He's going home. It's a really – I actually love this scene. There's, like, a really great song playing over it. And this is how we get introduced to where, to where he lives. It's the town of Middlesex, which is actually a town in Virginia. I don't know why Richard Kelly, who wrote and directed it, didn't just make it in Midlothian, where he's from. But it's still set in Virginia, a suburb of, in Virginia. And we just see, you kind of see like all like those suburban homes, lots of manicured lawns, landscaping. And then he gets home and you get this sort of slow-mo intro of everybody in his family throughout the house. So like it turns, so what he, 
it shows that he has a dad uh, whose name is Eddie. Um, his mom, Rose. He has an older sister, a couple years older, um, whose name I'm blanking on, I think is Elizabeth. And that's played by his actual sister, Maggie Gyllenhaal. And then he has a little sister named Samantha, who's like, seems much younger. Like Elizabeth is like 19. Donnie appears to be like 16. And then Samantha looks like she might be 10. But actually, as I'm saying it out loud, that's not that not big that a old. Difference. Not yeah. That, yeah, yeah. So you know what? <laughs> it all checks out in the Darko family. Um, and, okay. and then he gets home and he looks on the fridge and it's someone in the family has written on like this whiteboard, like, where is Donnie? So you know what? You know why he was okay with it? Because the dude apparently just disappears. Like, this is a thing. Like, he just kind of goes places in the night. Um. And Zach, I have a quick, yeah. quick question. When is this movie set? Oh, great. Qu- okay. Yeah. Great question. 1988. And so okay. there's, so this next scene is actually at the dinner table. It cuts immediately to dinner. The family's around the table. So this is how we're getting the exposition of like what the family is actually like. And they're talking about the political race. So the dad and the sister are going and the older sister are going back and forth about voting for Dukakis um, versus who was running against him? Bush, I think. That was H-W. probably Bush. Yeah, yeah exactly. H-W. So there's that. But what, basically what this conveys is like, it's a fun family. Like, they interact in such a way. <laughs> <laughs> They're talking about Dukakis. They're right. talking yeah. about Bush. The way, this the way is a in fun which... family. <laughs> I mean, the politics at the dinner table is nothing is more fun and loose, you know? But I know. Especially they, they... Michael Dukakis. That guy is... <laughs> Did you guys see his Netflix special? It's, oh my God. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen that yet, but <laughs> he, he, uh, the, the, it, it's basically just that the way in which they're communicating with each other, like they move past the political, but they mess with each other. And like, so for example, the sister calls out Donnie and says, I know you're not taking your medication anymore. And so he's on medication and he's kind of like, what the fuck? And he says like something like that, like, like, fuck you. And then, no, no, he does. And she's like, and then she's like, why don't you suck a fuck? And he's like, (laughs) suck a fuck. What the, please tell me, Elizabeth, how exactly does one suck a fuck? And, and the parents are kind of like, Hey, like, no, like we're not doing this language at the dinner table. And then the sister even is like, what's a fuck? And then the whole family starts laughing like the little sister. So they're all, and like the dad finds it funny, you know, like they're all, they're kind of jovial about it. So that's what you get is like, they're a family that has dinner together every night. The parents are, are involved. Like it's kind of, you know, there's a sense of caring is what I think that is meant to portray. And also that Donnie is not taking his beds anymore. Um, and so then after dinner, his mom walks in to kind of be like, where'd you go last night? Where do you keep going? Why aren't you taking your medications? And you get the sense that she really cares and worries about him. And he's, but he's being very like passive aggressive teenager and all this bullshit, like get out of my room, mom, like blah, blah, you know? And then as she walks out, he calls her a bitch. When she closes the door, like he thinks she, he thinks she won't hear. And she does. And it's kind of brutal. And you can tell that it really hits her emotionally because, like, she cares about all the kids as a mom and especially is worried about him. So that's kind of the family dynamics that are set through the early part of it. And then you can tell that the dad's a little bit more aloof. He's kind of like, yeah, well, like, you know, he's just a weird kid. Ha <laughs> ha. Like, I'm here. It's, it's all good. 
Um, that's just classic. That's just guys being dudes, not wanting to talk about feelings. Yeah, guys being dudes, yeah. being dads. <laughs> so the next day, they wait, or actually, I should say this. When it strikes midnight, it is now October 2nd. So this is the same night. Everyone's asleep. Donnie gets woken up by a weird voice. That's like, hey, hey, Donnie, like, get up, wake up. And it's like, come to the golf course. And so he walks all the way to this golf course and he finds a bunny. And this is who we find out is named Frank. And the bun and Frank in this full bunny suit tells him in 28 days, the world is going to end. And basically alludes to the fact that like, you're going to stop it with my help. And then while right after he tells him that, we cut back to their house where Donnie is not because he got up to go to the golf course and a jet engine from a, a large airplane crashes through Donnie's room. Everyone in the house wakes up, freaks out. Meanwhile, Donnie's on the golf course. He falls asleep there. This fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> he wakes up the next morning from two guys who are playing golf and are like, what are you doing out here? And one of them's his dad, his friend's dad. And he's playing with Patrick Swayze, who we're going to find out about later. His name, Jim who Cunningham. In, okay. I was going to say, is he in character? Is, <laughs> yeah, no, he's, is he yeah. just sort of cameo? Like, <laughs> Oh my God, Mr. Swayze. I love you in uh, ghost, whatever that one is. Good job. Yeah, he's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's an incredible cameo appearance. Um, but also, I, I I really don't want to uh, give credence to Grant's earlier point, uh, and I've never seen Halloween Town, but you're telling me that in Donnie Darko, the world's going to end on Halloween? Okay, and actually, it's not oh, the same movie. Hmm. Great point. Great point. This what movie. Year is, what year is Donnie Darko come out? Typing, two, typing, 2001. Typing, typing, 2001. Typing. Yeah. Halloween Town. Typing, typing, typing. <laughs> what year we got? 20, Actual type. 2008. Fun yeah. No way. <laughs> I just made up a number. Um, okay. I mean, <clears throat> you you can keep doing the research. Let me just add. 1998. Just that's, that's when Halloween <clears throat> Town came out? That is when Halloween Town, wow. the movie, came out. That is shocking. I can't believe that's from the 90s. So they aired that for into well into the early 2000s, because that's when I saw it. I think they, they, they continued making sequels, but the original Halloween Town is from 1998. Wow. Okay. That's a big PSA to the listeners. Um, <laughs> take, we'll give that one to you for free. Well, this is becoming a Halloween Town episode because it's sort of like a who did it better and who did it first sort of thing. Yeah, no. And honestly, like, I feel dumb saying just thinking of this now, but like, now that you are, now that we're talking about it, this movie is very much like a Halloween movie. And I don't know why I've never classified it that way. I think because it's just so out there in other contexts. But the general ambiance of it does feel very Halloween. So, yeah, Halloween is going to play a role later. Um, Excellent. Love that. I love a Halloween movie. Yeah. I, would, I would say it's Halloween's one of my five favorite holidays for sure. I mean, can we, can we get the other four? <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> yeah. We're not that close. Focus, focus, focus. <laughs> um, so, okay, so he's woken up on the golf course. The dad's there, he's like, what are you doing? You should go home. This is weird. Patrick Swayze's like, 
this kid seems like he needs help. Uh, and Donnie goes home, and of course, what does he find? But like massive crowd outside his home, fire engines, police, and his family. Like he's trying to get in, and they're like, "Hey, dude, like we can't let you in here. This is a crime scene." He's like, "I live here, man. This is my house." They're like, oh, you must be Donnie. Okay, come on in. He finds his family, and they're all like, "Holy shit!" Like. Donnie, I can't believe that you basically just escaped death. I don't know where you were, but like, thank God you weren't there. And then like the FBI shows up and the FAA and they're like discussing what happened. And they're kind of like, we don't even know where this jet engine came from. So y'all have to sign this agreement and say, you can never talk about this. Cause for some reason, like we can't match up the serial number on this thing to anything. Um, and so they sign it. The Darkos go stay in a hotel. They're going to have to be there for a couple of weeks while they're redoing the roof. That's going to be paid for by the airline company. Um, but it's all very odd and mysterious. Um, and so then the next day, okay, now they're actually going, he's actually going to school. Him and his sis, younger sister go to the same school. It appears to be a private school. They go to the bus stop. So they both ride the bus. At the bus, we meet very briefly, not important, that important of characters are the little sister's friends. Then somewhat more prominent are Donnie's two friends um, who also are kind of like, man, I can't believe you cheated death. And you can just kind of tell like these guys are not interesting. Like they're, <laughs> they're his friends, but he just seems so much more intellectual than them. Uh, and, then, and then maybe one of my favorite characters uh, is also at the bus stop. And it's a girl named Charita. She's a little overweight. And she's wearing earmuffs, even though it's very clearly not cold. And anytime they talk to her, she basically is just like, shut up. And she says it like that. It's like, shut up. And I think I can't remember anything that she says besides shut up in this movie. But it's iconic. (laughs) It's fucking iconic. absolutely wildly out of place. (laughs) Like, she plays a She does a little bit more in the movie, but like not much more and it's just fascinating that Richard Kelly was like we need Charita right <laughs> this seems like the level of the mean girls where there's sort of like a she doesn't even go here sort of thing it's like it's just like there's a shtick and this seems like I don't know a, a pretty fantastical Halloween movie I don't know why they needed Charita <laughs> you're like man played, <laughs> played really well with the test audiences I think <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Richard, everything seems really good, but we need more Chut Up. (laughs) The movie needs Chut Up. (laughs) Um, So they all get on the bus, they go to school, and then when they get to school, we get a similar sort of like slow-mo intro as we did from the bike scene at the beginning, where we establish what the school is like. And everyone's in uniforms. We get intro to like the teachers who include Noah Wiley, if people know who that is, he's one of the, he's an actor. And then also Drew Barrymore is in this movie as one of the teachers. Um, there's also a, like a very uptight gym teacher who we're going to see more from named Kitty. And then there's also like the principal who seems kind of like a tight ass and also kind of, but also kind of pathetic, like very just like not about this guy. Um, and similarly, great song playing. Like this movie soundtrack is really, really good. What's uh, I don't know the song that's playing when they go in. Exa- like, I can't tell you what song it is, but I just like know the sound. For copyright reasons. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get the rights to tell you the name of the song. It, yeah, it's, it rhymes with the bowling cones for legal reasons. <laughs> were, 
I have to harp on it and ask, were you thinking of an actual song that rhymed with that? The no, it's the the Stones. No, oh, the, you're saying the, the band. The cones, the I was cones. thinking the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a that's a that's a neck for me. Um, yep. right. Zach doesn't know who the Rolling Stones are. <laughs> no. Uh, so we're gonna. So now it cuts to in class and Drew Barrymore's English class, and she's talking about this book by Graham Greene. And I forget what the book is called, but it's about these kids who like vandalize this house and like empty house and burn it down. And she's kind of like asking people why they think they did it. And it's kind of classic, like a teacher's trying to be intellectual, but the students are just like, I don't know, bitch. Like, I'm just trying to get through class. And she's but, just like, Donnie. Well, no, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm glad this is an English class because I legitimately don't think I could believe Drew Barrymore teaches any other subject in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very fair. Like, if I was like, yeah, so Drew Barrymore actually plays, it's, like, the calculus Right, exactly. Teacher. Here is the demand <laughs> curve. Here is the supply curve. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's uh, stand and deliver, but Drew Barrymore instead is is teaching the kids. Yeah. How do I get to these kids? <laughs> um... So she, nobody's really like giving her what she wants. So she calls on Donnie and he actually gives like a very interesting response. So you get the sense that Donnie is a bit more of an intellectual, although he also like doesn't really pay attention. Like he's gotten lazy. And then in walks Gretchen played by Jenna Malone, who I love. I think she's great. Um, she's in a lot of stuff. She's in like, uh, yeah. What else is she in? Cause I have no idea who this person is. If you ever saw hunger games catching fire, she's in yeah. that. She's like the one who's very brash, but ends up being on Katniss's side. And okay. Oh, yeah. At one point, she is like fantastic in that movie. Yeah, like she. This is like, I, I. I'm sorry. This is my only example, but it's the most like recognizable. She walks into an elevator at one point and is like butt ass naked. <laughs> in the yes, movie, yes, yeah. Like she's just kind of like very confident, brash. Yeah. So that's Jenna Malone, but she's like super young in this. This might have been her first movie. Or at least it was one of her one of her first. And she's new and she's like, I don't know if I'm in the right class. Is this English? And Drew Barrymore's like, kind of mean, like a lit like a little bit like almost like, mm, I'm gonna have fun with this. And then it's like, Yeah, like I it looks like you're in the right place. It's like, bitch, like she's new. Like, why are you giving her shit? <laughs> and uh so then Gretchen is standing there and she's like, Where should I sit? And then Drew Barrymore's like I want you to sit next to the boy who you think is the cutest in class. Like she puts her on the spot. What a and- <laughs> psycho thing for a teacher to say. I'm it- outraged. Like you should be fired. Yeah, it's, I feel for her. Like in reality, that would be so terrible. And so she kind of doesn't know what to do, right? Like she's looking and standing and then, Drew Barrymore is like watching what she's where she's looking and then she just kind of makes the decision for her and she's like Sarah get up and it's that's the seat next to Donnie and she's like Gretchen sit there next to Donnie and then they kind of look at each other and it's like hey and then yeah you're like okay something here right something's here so now we're gonna now we cut to Eddie who's Donnie's dad they're in the car and they're he's taking Donnie to therapy but on the way, they almost run over a crazy old woman who's like walking in the street. And it turns out her name is Grandma Death. 
and people know her and she's always outside walking. And it, it seems like she just walks back and forth to her mailbox over and over waiting for a letter that like never comes. And Donnie helps her off out of the, off the road so they don't hit her. And she whispers something in his ear, which is basically along the lines of like everyone and everything ends up dying alone. And you're like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay. Like, it's like, yeah, no, you're at, you're so welcome. So (laughs) what is the, at this point, because I'm getting a lot of whiplash from shut up to everyone and everything on this planet dies alone. Such a good question. Um, It is like, sort of like it leans into more serious teen drama if that makes sense like like the frank stuff and everything is like supposed to be like slightly eerie and mysterious like not scary but like yo something's weird and like i'm not playing around like this isn't supposed to be funny but there is like the comedic relief of certain lines and like chirita's obviously odd and like a standout and i think is meant to be a little bit of like a like break from that but it very much has more of this kind of like angsty teen drama feel throughout. And it but, basically but, but is... the comedy isn't, isn't dry. It is, it, it almost seems like some of the jokes are, maybe this is the right word, but, but a little slapstick, even though it's a drama. Um, maybe in some ways. I would say it's actually, and I would just like, I would actually add that it's just like not really that funny. Okay. At all, yeah. Um, I, I, I would also caveat it with um zach's tone is probably like a little different than mm-hmm. exactly in the movie yeah, yeah fair <laughs> very interesting interesting we'll see we'll see how that theory pans out um so yeah it is it is very much like a weird like science fiction psychological thriller that is wrapped up in a teen drama like it follows some of those classic teen drama beats um and and yeah i mean you'll see it throughout and like the high school stuff very much plays into that but once they get back in the car then they go to the doctor's visit donnie's talking to his therapist and he admits to like meeting frank like he's telling her like i this like i saw like this bunny like six foot tall bunny rabbit and his name's frank and like he says the world's gonna end and and the therapist is just like like uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, I mean, I don't know about Frank, but Donnie, you might need some help, my dude. So, and uh, she's, she's kind of, she seems kind, but also like a little judgy about it. You know, like she's very much like, this, this cannot be real. And, uh, and then Donnie goes back home, and that night he wakes up again with Frank being like, wake up, Donnie. And, then Frank is like, let's go to school. And Donnie takes an a- picks up an axe and goes to his school. And you just kind of see him walk in. And then cut to the next day, they're at the bus stop. And someone comes and is like, hey, guys, like, school's canceled. And apparently, like, the whole building flooded. And then you cut to the school and the janitor and the principal are there. And someone has completely, like, burst one of the pipes. And so the school's flooding, and then and then the principal's like, "This is crazy." And the janitor's like, "Well, you're not gonna believe this, then." And then he takes him outside, and there is a the axe is like lodged into the head of the school mascot that is like entirely bronze metal. And you're just like, "How the hell did somebody was somebody strong enough to get that thing in there?" 
Is the school mascot any kind of natural predator to to the rabbit? It's actually just like a dog, from what I remember. That's a good question. I, dogs chase rabbits. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then also written in graffiti on the ground in front of the mascot is they made me do it. Okay. Always very ominous. I need to. <laughs> I need to start saying that more. I think just like everyday life, like someone at work's like, oh, like what, like what's up with this analysis? Like, oh, they made they made me do it. <laughs> why are Why are you late, Ian? They... <laughs> How do you plan to handle the follow up question of who's they? Uh, I will not. <laughs> good, good approach. Yeah, <laughs> always the mystery. Good right. strategy for long term <laughs> employment. <laughs> Um, so with school being canceled, Donnie is walking back home and he runs into Gretchen and they haven't really talked. They just saw each other in class and she's being bothered by some bullies. Now the bullies are played by, there's two bullies at the school. One of them don't know who the hell it is. The second one is Seth Rogen. (laughs) Get the fuck out. And this was his first studio movie or like even like minor studio movie yeah so he's one of the bullies um it kind of you it's it's if you've ever seen freaks and geeks it's like a slightly more aggressive mean version of his freaks and geeks character that he's playing and his hair is also cut so he doesn't have like the curly hair sure um, wow, so I, that, I, I was gonna say I don't know if that works, but when you say like a more aggressive version of the freaks and geek character that sounds like it really works yeah he's like yeah, he's he's he's. I mean, the the he's the secondary one. Like the other one is more the lead bully and is arguably more like seems more psychotic. But yeah, like he works as being like a dick. Like he seems yes. like he's the he's the secondary bully in every like in every way you think about it. Where like he's also mean, but he's following the other guy's lead, yes. which is kind of always yes. how it is. Yes, yeah, in- insecure. Exactly. And you gotta you gotta work yourself up to those sorts of roles you know the prestige of main bully can't come you gotta, you gotta put in your time put in your work you're not gonna get that in your first movie yeah that you know in <laughs> yeah i was actually i was thinking you were thinking from the character perspective and i was gonna say like <laughs> it'd be interesting if they explored the storyline of like the two bullies and how seth rogan's like i want to be the lead bully today and the guy's like no like you're no, not there yet you're not there. <laughs> you have much to learn <laughs> it's like you gotta really lose yourself in it man like you gotta be crazy <laughs> Uh, also, sorry, Gretchen was the Jenna Malone new girl, right? Yes, Gretchen okay. is our love interest. And so she's being harassed by them at another bus stop. And Johnny steps in. He's like, leave her alone. And they leave. And so then him and Gretchen are walking. And they're walking together. And as they're walking, they're kind of talking about, like, why she moved to town. And it comes out that, and this is, like, it's honestly pretty messed up. Like, she's like, well, my stepdad, my my parents had like marital issues, my stepdad and my mom. And he's like, Oh, what type of issues does your stepdad have? Like, cause I take like blah, 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 you know, like <laughs> I'm kind of fucked up too. And then she's like, well, no, like he stabbed my mom in the chest four times. So we had to move and we're in, we're in like a protection program. And you're like, Oh wow. Okay. Like very serious stuff. Also, like, even as I'm saying it, it's like Richard Kelly, like, did it have to be that dark? <laughs> um, but yeah, like Donnie then admits that he was once in juvie for burning a house down on accident. It was an empty house, but he did burn it down. And it's interesting how that kind of ties back to the book that Drew Barrymore was talking about, 
but they don't really like explore that any further. I think it's just that Donnie very much is like main character syndrome through all this. Like everything ties back to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of the conversation, they're just kind of chatting. And then, and then Donnie's like, so like, would you want to go together? And she's like, go where? And he's like, no, that's how we say it here. Like go steady. And she's like, he's like, sorry, that was a weird question. She's like, no, yeah, I do. So boom, man's has a girlfriend just like that. Man, why couldn't it have been that easy for me in uh, high school? I think the problem, Ian, is that you weren't crazy enough. Girls love that. That's a great point. Did you did you befriend a rabbit named Frank? No. You know what? That was my issue. Did you befriend any rabbits? No. Regardless no of their of their nomenclature. Uh, no. No, so. he he didn't even have to bring up the rabbit to win her over. He just had to be like. Yo, what's up with your parents? And then he's like, I'm messed up too. (laughs) (laughs) But he also shows himself to be smart in the conversation, like the way he talks. And I think that's what she's attracted to here. Does he Um, do some like quick math in his head? He's like, 12 times 12 is 144. (laughs) She's like, oh my God, like my homework's done. (laughs) (laughs) So she goes, he's like, cool, got a girlfriend. And then he does another trip to the therapist. And this time she hypnotizes him to see like if she can get more info out of him that way. And she's trying to figure out who Frank is and blah, blah. But then it goes awry because Donnie somehow, she's like, what's on your mind? And he's like, girls. And then he's like, I think about, and this is what he says. He's like, I think about fucking girls. And he's like, this is really weird. Like, I don't want to be in, I don't want to be in the room with the therapist and Donnie when he's talking about this. And it gets so weird that she like just snaps him out of it and he wakes up and he realizes like he said something weird and it's like, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> and there's always like those little check-ins with the therapist that just feel like an opportunity to, sometimes it almost just feels more honestly like exploring what it is like to be a troubled teenager than it is to move the story forward. You know, like it's not, he, like nothing that happens between them really relates to the ultimate plot. But it's more just like, look what happens when you're a teenager and you're struggling and people are trying to understand what that struggle is. And it's like just difficult for them to figure out, for her to figure out who he is and what the problem is. Sure. It's, it's like The Office. Where, there, where there's... <laughs> yeah, go, Listen, go, go, go ahead. Yeah, keep going. Go ahead. Where every episode has five minutes of plot and 16 minutes of side interviews. It is about the characters, not about what happens in the office. Interesting take. Interesting take. I've always said that Donnie Darko is just like both <laughs> Halloween Town and the office. I've yeah. said this. You, you, you've, you've said you'll die on that hill. I respect that. Um, so now the next day at school, the cops are checking for the handwriting of who wrote the vandalism, which, okay, this is actually one of the biggest plot holes for me in this entire movie, right? Is like, obviously... It was it was graffiti spray paint. So why would somebody's handwriting be the same as the graffiti? Right, that doesn't happen. <laughs> but there they are trying to get everybody trying to figure out who it is via that method. Um, not making much progress. And then we cut to gym yeah. class. Or, or Ian, go ahead. I don't mean. No, I was just like, yeah, no shit. They're not making progress. These are the worst <laughs> cops in the world. Yeah, the adults in this movie, except for. This is another good point, except for like a handful of teachers like Drew Barrymore and Noah Wiley and then like Donnie's mom, every other adult is made out to be sort of a buffoon or like a caricature, including the principal and the cops and everything. 
Um, so that also very much is like why this is like such a teen drama in yes. so many ways. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but then it cuts to gym class and gym class is led by, I think I said this uptight teacher named Kitty. And she is showing a video that's by Swayze's character, Jim Cunningham. And it turns out he's like a motivational speaker, we're finding out. And he has these series of lectures around like improving your life. And he's like, you know what's at the core of all your issues? Fear. And it's like someone who's like, I, I was having so much trouble losing weight. And then I realized like the problem was fear. But like it doesn't really connect to how like it helped her. Like she didn't end up losing weight, but like she just did, said that fear was the problem and moved on. And it's like Swayze's like, yeah. Um, and this is going to play in later. But uh, everyone's kind of rolling their eyes like this is dumb. And I'm then just entirely picturing um, Dirty Dancing Swayze in this entire, in this entire thing. <laughs> yeah, he's like wearing like tight jeans, like roll right. sleeves, white t-shirt. <laughs> exactly. And he's like, fear, baby. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, fear, baby. It's the mind killer. <laughs> oh, someone saw Dune. <laughs> uh then, like, we cut to night, and Donnie's taking pills. So he's taking his medication now again, I think, because he feels bad that he was called out. And then when he closes the medicine cabinet mirror, Frank is standing right behind him in the bathroom. It's oh, kind I of fucking, a shock. I love those shots. Yeah, when it's so good. Yeah, yeah, you open it, and then, yeah. Excellent. It makes me jump every time. <laughs> maybe this time you won't, because you'll know, but, like, no, maybe. Still, yeah, no, I'll, I'll probably. Money, smart money is on me jumping. Uh, when he sees Frank, Frank is like, don't worry, you got away with it. And he's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like, he's like, they're not going to find out it was you that did that at school. Frank's and like, then, those fucking cops think that your handwriting's the same <laughs> for the graffiti. Like, you won't believe that. Yeah, Donnie, Donnie's like, you know what, that's a good point. What a, re- what a relief. And then, it, and then it's the end of the movie, because he got away with it. <laughs> Uh, he tries. He tries to touch him, like he's like, I want, like I, like what are you? And like, there's like this weird, like it's like almost like a glass liquid. Like he touches it and it like bounces back. And there's some sort of thing between them, so he can't really make contact with Frank. Um, and then we cut to the school, and now there's a PTA meeting because of the vandalism that happened. Emergency PTA meeting, and Kitty, the gym teacher, who's the worst is getting all riled up because she's like, this book that Drew Barrymore has these kids reading is what incited it because these kids flood and then burn down a house and clearly somebody wanted to do it to the school and this is terrible. And some of the parents are getting behind her like, yeah, like, you're right, Kitty. And like, uh, but a lot of the, like, Donnie's mom and Drew Barrymore are like, what is she talking about? (laughs) And then what's really interesting, I love this because the music starts to build and you, it's like to build the tension of like almost like a, like, a, like a minor hysteria in the crowd. And then we cut back to the bathroom and it's Donnie looking at Frank and being like, why did you make me do that? And then it's cutting back to the PTA meeting and the parents are still getting riled up and you're like, ooh, like what's going on? And then finally Donnie's mom stands up to Rose and so I think this is just a character affirmation of like Donnie's mom is always kind of like the most sane adult in the room. And Kitty shows how like insanely stupid she is and she sits down. Um, so Donnie and his mom are both kind of like the badasses. Uh, yeah. And then oh, yeah. <laughs> we cut to the next day in gym class. And it is, there's another video being played by of Jim 
uh, I'm totally blank. Uh, Jim Cunningham of Swayze. And now it's like him actually giving lessons or explaining like the love and fear spectrum. And Kitty gets up front and she's like, all right, everybody like, uh, well, I'm going to give you a situation. And then you have to mark an X on the love and fear line of where this is. Are they acting out of love or fear? And it's so class. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like a health. And yeah. It's gotta class. be some health. Exactly. Um, and Donnie's like, when it's his turn, he's like, this is so dumb. Like, you can't just boil down everything into, like, two things. Like, there's things in between. There's gray. Like, I'm not going to do this. And she's like, well, you better do it to get points for today. And then cut to the principal's office. Like, he opens his mouth, and then it cuts to the principal's office. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so tell me exactly what you said. And then Kitty <laughs> speaks up, and she's like, he told me to forcibly insert the handout into my anus. And then the, and Donnie's parents are there because they've been called in and his dad like bursts out laughing. So his parents continue to be like very cool. <laughs> but Donnie gets suspended. And naturally. This and Rose, is maybe, uh, maybe the greatest look from Michael Dukakis ever. Um, <laughs> that these are his voters, these cool parents. Oh, actually, I think his parents are not for Dukakis. The sister was for Dukakis. Oof. No! The parents, Dukakis yeah, so just sorry. cannot win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. He didn't target the cool parent crowd. Is there a whole side plot about like Operation Desert Storm and how into it Donnie Darko's parents are? I think that was in the sequel, S. Darko. That is an it's not about movie. oil. It's not about oil. <laughs> you kids will never understand <laughs> but we're badass <laughs> um, Rose his mom tries to apologize to Kitty because they're friends like because both their girls their daughters are on the dance team but Kitty's just like a total bitch about it and then they leave and the family is finally back home the, the roof has been fixed so they're living back at home um, and they're getting situated there and then back at school uh, Donnie's like starting to think that there's something going on with like time travel and stuff with like what's happening with Frank. And so he goes up to his science teacher who is just a a high school science teacher and is like, yo, Dr. Mostat, I don't even remember this man's name, but he's like, hey, teacher, do you know anything about time travel by chance? (laughs) (laughs) And And then the teacher's like, actually, Yes, because I've read A Brief History of Time. I think that's the name of the Stephen Hawking book, right? Yep. Yeah. And so they're talking about like, okay, like for time travel, you need like a wormhole and then a big vessel that can travel fast enough to go through the wormhole. And hypothetically, the wormhole would have to be controlled by man for it to be like feasible to really travel through time. So you need like a vessel and a portal. And I've I've seen Interstellar. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to say this is actually more like Interstellar than it is Halloween Town. <laughs> uh, he gives him a book that's not a brief history of time, but it's actually like something else about time travel. And it turns out it was written by Grandma Death. She was formerly a nun, and then she completely her, like left the religion and wrote the book and became a science teacher. Her name is I'm sorry, Grandma Death. She has an actual name, but everyone death because she just is what it looks crazy okay cool yeah and this is the one that they almost ran over earlier and said everyone dies alone ah uh, okay yeah I'm so also at any point you guys can stop me and be like where are we so far i'm happy to do that 
Um, well, 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 the fact that you bring it up, uh, I'll ask, where are we so far? Like, are we about halfway or where, where are we in the movie? Yeah, so like we're we are probably we are probably actually about halfway because what happens is like the second ha- the the last quarter of the movie is where like so much happens, um, and like a lot of this might feel like exposition, you know, but it's like we're still getting grounded. We're just like trying to figure out what's happening. Like Donnie's trying to figure it out, we're trying to figure it out, and we're taking all these different avenues, and we're also just kind of figuring out like who the characters are. Like we're still getting the teen drama stuff. Um. Do we know what um, Donnie's little sister, whose name I don't remember, do we know what she's dressing up as for Halloween? Ooh, good question. Oh, so she doesn't end up going out for Halloween. He doesn't want to spoil Halloween. the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that she was a six-foot-tall bunny suit. <laughs> no, she, for, for reasons that will be discussed, she does not end up going trick-or-treating. I also want to note that while they're talking about time travel, after we find out that Charita is at the door, the closed door, listening the whole time. And there is zero reason for why she's listening. She's just there because, you know, she's like, like she peels the earmuff off slowly to be like, ooh. And you're like, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> um, so, okay, now, now we start to get, now it's starting to get really like, I don't know if heady is the right term. I feel like I use that word inappropriately, like incorrectly. But Donnie goes home and he is sitting in the living room with his dad, his friend, and his friend's dad watching a football game. And all of a sudden, he starts seeing like liquid tunnels that are like coming out of people's stomachs and they're like leading directions. And then when they go a certain direction, the person follows that direction. So it's like the person's predetermined path and Donnie can see it. And one comes out from his stomach and he like it looks at it and then doesn't move. And then this is maybe the most comical part of the movie. The the thing basically turns into like a hand and it's like wags at him like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and it's meant to be serious, but you're just like, that is why did it turn into like a Mickey Mouse hand that was like, come on, boy, like you got to see this. Like it like beckons him. Yes, exactly. It's like, okay, come on. Like, really, like, I need you to get out of the chair. Yeah, dude, stop fucking around. <laughs> is, come this, on. is it the same sort of liquid glass material that, that makes up Frank? Oh, that was a great so question. It, it, it's, the, it's the same that's, like, in front of him when you try to touch him that, like, bounces back. But Frank is very much, like, <clears throat> like looks like he's just a person in a bunny costume. Yeah. You ever seen uh, Wilbur? Yes. Yeah. 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 And all and all the parts about like the weird sort of mercurial glass that that happens with uh, Elijah Wood. Yeah. Okay, I know where Ian was actually going with it, <laughs> <laughs> which is to say, a man in a life size like animal outfit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, always an opportunity to just bash you, right? Thanks, man. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Fun. That's what I'm here for. Um. So. He's seeing that. He follows it, right? It takes him to his parents' room. And lo and behold, he opens up his parents' closet and he finds a gun. It's pretty serious. Like, he finds a revolver and he takes it. And you're like, I have no clue what this dude's going to do with this gun, but we are heating up. Like, this is getting real. We got, crisp, we got like, liquid glass hands and guns. So uh, <laughs> Donnie the next day 
we cut to they're in science class and they're present him and Gretchen are apparently worked on something together and they're presenting it. And it is this thing for babies to wear at night for them to see like nice imagery. So you can put in, it's almost like, what are those like old at old goggle things that like flick through pictures? Yeah. yeah. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what they're called, uh, uh, but I know what you're talking view, about. Viewfinder. Is that it? Maybe. Sure. Yeah. I mean, people get it. So it's like that, but for babies and digital, and it like would show you peaceful images for them at night. Mm-hmm. Um, then one of the kids is like, what if you put, actually it's Seth Rogen. He's like, what if you put fucked up images in it? And they're like, why would anybody do that? <laughs> like people, like blah, blah, blah. And then somehow he not, somehow it makes more sense in the movie, but he's like, didn't your dad like stab your mom? And you're just and then, and then Noah, Noah Wyatt like just says that, and Noah Wiley, the teacher, is like, "Leave!" Like that's what he says. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I feel like he should have said more. <laughs> like that should be a bigger, that should be a bigger deal. He's nope. just like, <laughs> he's like, okay, that's the last straw. You need to leave class. Like that's it. <laughs> um, and then obviously Gretchen's upset, so they go outside and. At, earlier, I actually missed this part, but uh, Donnie wanted to kiss Gretchen, and she was like, "No, I wanted to be at a time when like." And Donnie's like, finishes her sentence, and he's like, "When you want to be reminded of how beautiful the world is," and she's like, "Yes, exactly." And so she's super upset because of what happened, and he's like, "Gretchen, are you okay?" Like, what? and then she just kisses him, and you're like, "Oh, like this is when she needed it. Like, she needed the romance." Um, and Donnie's pretty pumped. He's like, finally kissed her. Hell yeah. We're now we're really going. <laughs> right. Like she is maybe going through some like major emotional trauma because of this, but hey, uh, she kissed me. So that, yeah. got us first. <laughs> okay. First <laughs> wait, wait, great. What was that? He got us first. <laughs> it's big. Good for Donnie. It is this movie has these moments where you're like, I don't know why you put romance at this dark moment mm-hmm. and it's going to happen again. And I, 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 I've never understood it. Um, but now it's night again and we're split between two settings. Donnie's in the bathroom and Frank shows up again and his parents are at the doctor's office trying to talk to the therapist about what's going on. Donnie is trying to stab Frank with a knife, not like in a way to kill him, but just like to break through the glass and he keeps stabbing him where the eye is, and he can't get through. Meanwhile, at the therapist's office, the therapist like, wait, Don- yeah, sorry, what do you mean where the eye? Like he's stabbing like, him like directly over where his eye is for some reason. Okay, like okay. like that's where he's aiming. And the parents at the office, the therapist like, Donnie has an increased attachment from reality, and I think he's paranoid schizophrenia and re- and having daylight hallucinations. And his mom is clearly like increasingly worried like she is the emotional anchor of this movie and i didn't realize it until multiple viewings but she is so good and she is what gives the movie like any heart is the parent relationship and she's just watching her son like totally lose it um or at least seemingly lose it even though we find out that maybe this was all i'm gonna say totally lose it yeah but like is he losing it or 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 is there an interdimensional rabbit who needs him to save the world? Yeah, yeah that's exactly. Good. It's a good. It's the question I always ask myself. The hard-hitting questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, is Frank waiting for Donnie to be ready for this information? Uh, how how is he building to the to the revelation? Maybe we get. There he's soon. he's really so, not. No, uh, he, I, I have bad news for you guys. Wait, Zach, I I can take this one. 
um, what he does is he makes Donnie like paint his fence and <clears throat> wash his car. Um, and the whole time Donnie thinks that he's doing these like menial tasks, <laughs> right? Um, but then yes. at the end, you find out that those tasks had a point. The whole that that was the training, you know, for um, the intimate, interdimensional space battle, right? You, and yes, it's this you've whole... got a graffiti the school to learn how to blow up the big bomb inside the alien fortress. Got it, got yep. it, got it. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, now it's really coming together. I'm realizing, and I'm going to be totally open, that I am going on for a long time. So <laughs> this is about to speed. I should have sped up the beginning. I'm going to speed up the end, but I'm going to try to still make it good. Uh, okay. This is like, like any good movie realizes that uh, they've been going on too long and they just squeeze everything in. Uh, this, is, this is basically, this is the podcast version of Game of Thrones where we just like... In the last season. So, so now I, I need to share this part. Jim Cunningham has a, is throwing a live session at school, Patrick Swayze, and he's doing his same bullshit about fear. Kids are coming up to, to ask questions about like, how can you, like, I don't know what to do about this. Great little bit here. Ashley Tisdale from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody is one of the people who comes up to ask a question. And then also Crazy Steve from Drake and Josh is one of the people who comes up to ask a question. Good God. <laughs> what, what an ensemble. Yeah. Uh, incredible casting. And then Donnie calls out. And then Stanley Tucci asks a question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Anthony Hopkins gets up and he asks a question. <laughs> Uh, Donnie like stands up to ask a question but then he's like yeah uh, I have a question like do you really believe all this bullshit and everybody's like oh but some of the students are like yeah do it and then they go back and forth and he basically calls him the antichrist and then Donnie gets suspended from school again but everyone's like cheering for Donnie Um, and you can tell that like you're just like something's up with this Jim Cunningham dude Um, then uh, Donnie goes to a movie with Gretchen that night and Gretchen falls asleep during the movie and then Frank shows up and this is the scene that Ian saw where Frank's in the movie theater and first Donnie's like what are you like take that stupid bunny head off and he takes it off and you see it's a like a it looks like a teenage guy and his one his eye one of his eyes is like missing like it's been blown out and he's just like I'm sorry you had to see this he puts the head back on and then he's like look at the screen and there's a portal that shows Jim Cunningham's house and he's like Donnie burn it down so donnie leaves the movie and he goes and burns down swayze's house and it's a pretty cool montage where you're seeing him burn down the house and then also it's cutting to like this assembly that was happening at school where the the dance troupe that kitty leads and that donnie's little sister is in is like performing their number and it's like again very good use of music but what's interesting is like the girls are young but they're doing this like very adult dance and you're like why did kitty teach them these dances she's so uptight like she's kind of hypocritical and i feel like that's the point but we wake up the next morning by the way donnie makes it back to the theater and then gretchen wakes up right as he gets back and he's like yeah, cool. Like, let's go home. <laughs> no, no arson. I don't know. Yeah. That. yeah, like you slept for the whole movie. It was good. I definitely didn't get up and. Burn <laughs> <the sky>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, the now a couple of character things are going to happen. Okay, and I'm going to just kind of like try to summarize it quickly. The 
there's a newscast the next morning of the house being burned down, but what they really say is that they found a kitty porn dungeon in Swayze's house when they were fixing like the fire issues. So the dude is a total piece of shit, and he's now been out. Drew Barrymore, or no, as a result, I'm going to do it this way. Kitty, who is the leader of the dance troupe, they qualified for some competition in like New York or in somewhere. And Kitty goes to Rose, Donnie's mom, and is like, I need you to take them, be the chaperone, because I have to stay here and defend Swayze, because she just fucking loves Swayze. Um, and yeah, I've, again, I've seen Dirty Dancing. I get it. Yeah, everyone, yeah. <laughs> Rose is the only one who can resist Swayze's charm in this movie. Um, and so she's like, okay, fine, I'll go. Which leaves the house empty for the weekend, which is going to play into everything. Also, side note, Drew Barrymore gets fired. As I'm saying these things, I'm like, you know what? Drew Barrymore getting fired doesn't really do anything for the plot of this movie, but it happens. <laughs> and this is also great. Drew Barrymore <laughs> goes outside and she yells because she's so upset about getting fired for like no reason and she's like fuck and then she looks over and who is sitting there and witnessed her yell that but none other than Tarita eating a sandwich <laughs> <laughs> it's just like and then she just looks at her and then Drew Barrymore walks away and that's it Tarita doesn't even say anything so now we know that um Gretchen or sorry that the parents are gone and there's an intimate moment between Donnie and his mom when she's leaving and it's very sweet and you can feel like Donnie all of a sudden like he's done with his angsty bullshit he realizes something's wrong but he maybe realizes like he cares about these people so they, they leave they have the house alone for the weekend and Donnie and his sister decide to have a party because his sister found out she got into Harvard so like let's fucking go it's Halloween let's go Party time. They're having the party at the house. Another montage that goes through the house. Similarly, very well done. Good music. Gretchen comes over. She's freaking out because her mom is gone. This is very serious. This is genuinely very serious. She realizes it's probably, she thinks her stepdad's back and came for the mom. And so they go upstairs and Donnie is like trying to comfort her and help, but they don't know. It's like, what am I, like, what are we going to do? Like she has literally nowhere to go. And, and they know that dumbass Seth Rogen knows the whole story so clearly this witness protection program is not like top tier that's an excellent point yes 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 yes. (laughs) again the adults in this movie are dumb like they fucked it up so what do you think happens they're upstairs in the room he's trying to comfort her they end up having sex and i'm just like why is this the moment (sighs) yep that they have sex and they come down after and they look like it's like classic like couple that just had sex for the first time and probably both lost their virginities and they're just kind of like cheeky cutesy, you know? And I'm like, did you forget why you came here in the first place? Like what just happened? That's uh, uh, kind of how I felt when I uh, read it. Uh, so spoiler for, but oh, you, honestly, uh, if you haven't read it, you won't get, you won't even think that that's coming. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And that's book only. So deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> But Donnie, okay, he like goes to the kitchen and he doubles over and he starts seeing the things again. And then he looks at the fridge and on the fridge in the handwriting of the graffiti, it says, this here went for beer. And you're like, what the fuck? And then he yeah, takes Gretchen. Rhymed. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he gets Gretchen and his like two dumbass friends. And he's like, guys, we got to go to grandma deaths. Like she knows something about time travel. And they get on their bikes and there's like, it's very like, sci-fi kids on their bike sort of scene which i like this is hitting so many teenage movie tropes at once yeah stranger things vibes for sure 
E-T. E-T. Yeah, E-T. Because e. at the time, it wasn't even. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know Stranger Things wasn't out when this movie came out. I just want to make that clear. For the audience. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now we're really, now we're really, like, a lot's going to happen between now and the, and the end, but it's also going to happen quickly, okay? So they get to Grandma Death's, and he's looking for her. He can't find her. Knocks, no answer. So they are looking around and they see that the, the cellars, the cellars open. So they go in, they're looking around, like, what's all this shit in here? And then the bullies show up and they like grab them and they start like holding them down on the ground. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? Blah, blah. And the bully's like, I'm going to fucking beat you up, bro. And then they see a car coming and Seth Rogen like throws Gretchen to the ground. Like, we got to get out of here. And the car approaches sees grandma death all of a sudden approaches in the middle of the road where she always is the car swerves to miss her and i i, I, I don't know i'm just gonna say it the car runs gretchen over oh my yes gretchen like just dies just like that and the car turns around stops two guys get out one guy's like frank you killed her dude and then out of the driver's seat is Frank, what? But like normal Frank. And he's in a bunny suit, but without the head. And he's looking and he's so remorseful and he's so like, oh my God, what happened? And Donnie looks at him and he's like upset, but also looks purposeful. And he pulls the gun out of his pocket, raises it and shoots Frank what the- in the eye. What? <laughs> and everyone's like, what the fuck just happened? And Donnie's like, don't worry guys. I know what I have to do. Everyone go home. Things are going to be okay. And at this point, Ian, 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 Ian you nailed it. <laughs> with oh, which part? With, 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 I'm, I'm gonna beat this bunny, and I'm gonna, he's gonna tell me to burn some shit down, and he's gonna bring me into some, you know, fucking fields to fall asleep. But they don't know what to do as a result of all that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird because it's like you as the viewer have no idea. Like, I, you are still so confused. I'd say 99% of the audience. You know, I, I am very confused. <laughs> so I'm going to try to give you the explanation as well. Well, I might, well, we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, he shoots him. Frank's dead. Donnie's like, I know what I have to do. He gets in the car. Okay. He then goes home, kisses his sister goodbye as she's sleeping. And you can tell he's basically saying his goodbyes. Then he drives to the top of the mountain. He woke up into the beginning and it's day. It's like morning again. Or yeah, it's sort of morning again. Yeah, it is. And you're cutting between him on the mountaintop and his mom and little sister are on the plane coming back from the dance competition. And they, you see a portal in the distance, like a twister looking portal is coming up that Donnie can see from his vantage point. The plane flies over it. Then it is implied that either the portal pulls mm. off the engine yep. or Donnie uses telekinesis to pull the engine off the plane. It falls into the portal. And then as it falls into the portal, the movie does like a rewind all the way back to when Donnie was in bed before uh, Frank woke him up the first time. Donnie is sitting in bed laughing hysterically. And then all of a sudden, the jet engine crashes through the bedroom and kills him. (laughs) Then it it cuts, fades to black, cut to the next morning. Gretchen is on her bike. Walk, drives in front of rides in front of the house and goes up to a kid and said what happened here and the kid's like jet engine fell through the bedroom killed this kid while he was sleeping in his bed and she's like who lives here he's like it's the darkos it was donnie darko 
And then Gretchen sees Donnie's mom, who's like really frazzled in front of the yard, and they make eye contact, and she like just kind of waves at her, and there's kind of like some knowing to it. And then Gretchen rides off, and that is the end of the movie. What? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that is Donnie Darko. Whew, that was a lot of talking. Thank you for but, but, indulging but, but, me. But, okay. Wait. But why is that Donnie Darko? Okay, here's here's here. I'm gonna say yeah. Go ahead. Go go go. I I just want to back up to uh, Gretchen getting run over by Frank. Yep. This is the first time that Frank ever interacts with anyone besides Donnie Darko that we see. This is the first time we've ever seen Frank that when he's not like weird interdimensional Frank. Is there a real Frank? So I have an explanation for everything. But I'm curious if I should wait until after we watch the movie or if I should give you the explanation before so, we watch. So, so my sense is that there's an interdimensional foil for every person. So, so Donnie realizes with this real life Frank that he can, he can, do, he, he can do something to manipulate the other world so that so that it changes the fates of his own world. Yes, I, I cannot in a, in be a, any more precise than that. No, in a sense that is, in a sense that's what's happening. Again, well, I mean, I should have planned out my decision on this, but do you want me to explain it now, or do you want me to explain it after we watch it? Fabulous question, Ian. What do you what, think? Sorry, what is there to explain? I can explain why this all happened and what the meaning is. Yeah, just hit me. Just do it now? Yeah. Okay, here we go. I'm going to explain it. Then I'd love to hear what your guys' reviews of the movies are, your thought overall. And then we're going to go watch it, okay? Great. All right. So what happens is, and I think this is genuinely impossible to know. Like, I don't understand how people figured this out without, like, Richard Kelly telling them. But there is a primary universe, and then there is a tangent universe, and, and tangent universes sometimes just happen on accident. And the, from the beginning of the movie, when Donnie wakes up, we are in the tangent version of the uni- tangent universe. And what happens is the engine that comes into his room when he gets up is an artifact from the primary universe. And it fell through because there was like a, like a glitch, right? It fell through from the primary universe to the tangent. Now, because it's now in the tangent universe, that makes the tangent universe unstable. And the tangent universe is going to basically completely explode and affect the primary universe unless they get the, the duplicate engine out because there's now two of that engine in the tangent universe. All right. So he needs to get one of the engines back. Donnie is selected as, as the person who's like the living receiver who becomes like the hero of this story, likely because he is so close to the artifact of the engine. Okay. So, and what we also, what also is implied is that anyone who dies in the tangent universe becomes manipulated dead and can be used by the overarching forces that are guiding Donnie to help him. So killing Frank is necessary because it means that he can then become a like interdimensional agent of helping Donnie do what he has to do. So that's why he has to die. It's the right. It's the metaverse. <laughs> you would know. <laughs> uh, and then 
so basically everything that that Frank makes Donnie do, if you as you as if you watch it, it'll make more sense. Although maybe my explanation was good enough, likely not. Leads not. characters in directions. <laughs> it leads characters in directions that ultimately mean that the engine will be over the like like it means that Frank will die. It means that the engine will be over the portal when it needs to be. You know, like all these things have to happen. And so him and like he needs to meet Gretchen and all these things. So that's why all these weird tasks are what guide him basically to ultimately everything falling into the right place. And like it is somewhat implied that he rips off the engine using telekinesis at the end, which is bananas because the parents like the living receiver can receive superpowers. So that's why he puts the axe through the bronze statue. And it's also implied that Grandma Death was probably a form, formerly a living receiver in another sort of incident, and that's why she wrote the book. Um, he does not technically have to die. Like, he doesn't have to die in the primary universe for, for, because he's a living receiver, but it's like he was chosen. He is just unfortunately like, the, like a he, like, it's almost like he, like he's like a Jesus like figure. Like, he just has to die, unfortunately, even though he is the hero. By happenstance. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that... the, silent, the silence you're hearing is my mouth agape. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say that, that explanation, it wasn't useless. <laughs> um, I am thoroughly confused. But I think, I, you know what? I'm going to say it's like uh, it's I'm, I'm like a tenant point right now where I, I get the gist of it. And if I think too hard about the details, my brain. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. What <laughs> yeah, I am. there's a, there's there's so many holes every time I watch this. But like, I, OK, but I do want to like formally open up the space. I would like each of you to give like a review thoughts and a review of the movie based on the description we just heard. Then we can compare once we watch. Not Red. everybody at once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I'm still spinning. Um... Yeah, I mean, love a good teen movie. Love a good uh, Bildungs Roman, uh, as they, as the kids call it. Bildungs um, Roman is that how it's pronounced? I think so. Someone in the future. Whoever's listening to this, fact check me on it. Tweet at and, Ian. Yeah, I Callahan or, or can. send him a voice message in any yeah. way you can. Um, send it through the portal to me right now. Using telekinesis. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, I mean, it's really hard for me to review the movie yes, right now yes. because I, mm-hmm. I, again, I'm not sure I get it. The first ninety um, percent of the movie totally in on sounds like a great movie. The last ten percent, uh, I has broken my brain. Absolutely, I think it's so hard to evaluate something that you leave when you walk away very confused, or if the last you know five minutes or so just sort of lingers. Like I can think about when I saw Inception in theaters, and I've seen it probably two or three times since. <clears throat> When I was leaving the theater, everything I, I was talking about on the way back with my friends was, well, does the top fall or not? 
what universe is he in? And that was the whole conversation around the movie, <clears throat> at least for me in the wake of it. Now, mm -hmm. when I go back and I watch the thing, I can look at the landscapes, which are remarkable. I can look at the, the acting, which is great, and the action, which is great. It, but I, I, I couldn't do that until I'd seen it a couple of times. And with this, I'll, I'll turn a question on you, Zach. When you saw it, did you get any sort of inclination of the proper explanation of the film? Wait, Zach, before you answer this, I'm going to take us on a bit. Uh, is Inception lined up <laughs> for this podcast at any point? Uh, no, I think too many people have seen it. Okay. Yeah. Grant, I'm going to blow your mind here. Uh, the top, not his totem. It's a, yes, I, yeah, it's his, uh, yeah. All right. It's hers. Yeah. It's hers. Yeah. Okay. That's it. <laughs> that was, I, I can feel how disappointed you were that he already knew. <laughs> I'm a little bummed. Yeah. But, 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 I, at, but at the time it was like, oh my God, you know, what world's he in? Yes. At the time, I did, I did not know. Yeah. No, I, after watching this movie for the first time, I got it on Netflix in the mail on a Blu-ray when I was in high school. And I heard I should watch it. Rips ass. Excellent. Yeah. And I heard I should see it. So I, I got it. I watched it. I thought I had no clue what I just watched. But something about this movie is so interesting to me that I was like a fan. I, I knew I liked it. I just didn't know what happened. And so I spent like an hour reading what had happened. And I love that there was an explanation and that I just had to seek it out. But it also is still like brutally confusing. Like every time I think I remember what happened, I watch it again and I'm like, I, I, I don't remember actually. Like I've lost it again. So, I mean, fair that it's tough to review it. I mean, I guess we can leave it at that and then see what we think after we watch it. It's, yes. I mean, it sounds good. Um... It sounds like it was a good movie. It's just the, it's like multiplied how confused we are. Uh, think about how confused you were the first time you watched it. <laughs> and then think about if someone just told you the plot of the movie instead. Yeah, no, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and Ian says it sounds like a good movie. I'm, I'm not there on it because to me, it sounds Ooh. like it, it uses this, abjectly confusing plot to sort of hook people in what is otherwise a movie that leans very very hard on teenage tropes like very very hard on sort of like the 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 mold of these movies um with some of like the the character devices and the plot devices with like you know the shut up character in the side and like all the dumb parents and like bringing sex into moments where it's like Maybe it doesn't belong, but they're teenagers, and that's sort of what happens. Yeah. Um, no. It makes it make. I mean, both valid points. I like that we're kind of, we have two ends of the spectrum here, and so I'm excited <clears throat> to see kind of what we think once we actually watch it. With that being said, uh, I'll cut here and let's go check it out. Okay, I'm actually gonna. I'm gonna the movie now grant and ian you are in the loop on donnie darko you now get the plot hopefully although getting the plot of this one is not the easiest thing <laughs> but uh tell me generally high level did you guys enjoy it how'd you feel about it hold on zach real, real quick and you can just edit this out uh i'm hearing some 
something coming in on someone's mic, like something moving around, maybe. Like oh, a okay. Mic brushing up against a shirt or something. It like probably that. was me. It probably was me. But it was it that bad? It, it's it's audible. Okay, I'll just restart. That's fine. Yes, uh, I also heard it. So that was definitely me. Um, okay, I'm sitting now. This is better. All right, perfect. So, all right, we're back. We've all watched the movie. Now, Grant and Ian hypothetically get the plot, though this movie is not one where getting the plot comes that easy. Uh, but tell me, guys, what did you think of this movie? Did you enjoy it? High level, what'd you think? Yep. So, uh, I don't know when this podcast is going to be released. Uh, I think important context is that we are recording in the week following the release of Taylor Swift's version of Red. Thank you. Thank you for which, bringing this up yep. because this is the rest of the podcast. Yes, uh, which is <laughs> uh, mostly about how much Jake Gyllenhaal sucks. So I'm bringing a little bit of bias into this discussion for sure. I just want to preface with that. Very interesting. Good to know. I have not even listened to Red Hand Up, so that's yeah. going to be my homework after this. Then now I need to get the plot. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let, yeah, let me explain the plot of All Too Well. Uh, the let me explain the plot of uh, Taylor Swift <laughs> and Jake Joe Hall's relationship. Uh, he doesn't come out great. Um, another and, thing... and, and neither neither do fuck the patriarchy keep <laughs> Um But anyway. <laughs> Uh, another thing for me that didn't come out great is my understanding of this movie <laughs> because I legitimately don't think I get it more after watching it than after we talked about it. Um, like I liked, I enjoyed it while I was watching it. Um, and then the last like 10 ish minutes hit. And then, you know, the 10 minutes following the movie where I sat there and thought about it. And I was basically like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. Um, but I liked the movie itself, if that makes sense. Ian, I, I'm in the same place. I enjoyed watching it. The ending was predictably confusing based on our conversation. Then I read immediately after the movie uh, an explanation somewhere online of, of sort of the sci-fi world and what actually happened. And that actually made me like, I, I think I liked the movie less after reading that until I <laughs> un, until until I stopped to think about it more and where I've ultimately landed is that I, I, I did like this movie. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, I think all of it very valid. I completely understand where you guys are coming from. I obviously when I've watched the first time did not understand it. I think personally I was like so intrigued by the atmosphere of the movie and my confusion was like interesting like i was intrigued to read more and some movies are confusing to the point where i'm like this is just bullshit why would i continue like i'm not going to look into this but this one kind of caught me um but i'm but so i want to hear like what would you say is like what were some of the highs of the movie for you guys even though obviously very confusing but what were some of the highs yeah uh so not super related to the plot but the 80s soundtrack for sure was a high for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I absolutely love a, a soundtrack from the 80s. Um, how handsome Patrick Swayze was, was a high for me, <laughs> for sure. Um, I think in terms of the plot, I mean, J Jake Gyllenhaal was good in it. Um, he was very mopey. I wouldn't have wanted to like be around him, but he, was ve he acted very well in it. 
Is it the bias or such a T Swift? I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with him per se. Um, but I enjoyed watching him act in this movie. Um, so I think I think those were the highs. Um, the, I mean, I don't know if I have like the the Chutney character was definitely weird. Uh, where I was like, was that not her name? Chutney, <laughs> the one who said, Shut up. I'm, I'm, I'm mixing her up. With... <laughs> no. No, 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 it's no. Charita, bro. It's not uh, Chutney. Right. <laughs> well, oh. you know, I watched, I watched this movie a, a little bit ago. Um, Charita. Um, didn't really make sense to me, like as a character. Um, she just felt like wholly unnecessary. Um, and then again, like the whole Frank thing, I just truly, like, at a deep, deep level, do not understand. And so these are some of the lows. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trita <laughs> and Frank yeah. are are the 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 understanding of Frank are are my two lows. Okay, so highs and lows for Grant now. <laughs> and, and don't also say Chutney because you already claimed it. <laughs> so, so my highs, uh, a similar Patrick Swayze high, not, not his handsomeness, I'll let Ian have that. What I really liked were the, the stylized 80s educational or motivational videos that they made where it, it showed uh, people talking about overcoming their fear like the kid who said that I used to, I used to wet the bed. <laughs> yeah. and I decided not to be afraid. <laughs> Got an absolute laugh out loud for me on that. And then uh, a similar Jake Gyllenhaal high with his acting. I thought his facial expressions throughout the movie were wild, but, but in a good way, like they were, they were pretty disturbing, which lines up with the character who is the, a teenage boy who is, I think you can make a very, you can reasonably say this, disturbed. Uh, not not just from like, he has his mental issues, but like the way that he fits in as the chosen one in this sci-fi universe gives him like a, oh, I don't know, an immense responsibility that could definitely make a, a person crack. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, I, I can hit some of the lows. Yeah. So I... Not see what Trita was doing in the movie, but that wasn't a low. I <laughs> enjoyed her being there. <clears throat> I think my lows are are mostly tied up in how Richard Kelly structures this sci-fi world, and, and I can I can save some of the specifics for when we want to have a discussion about about that. No, I mean, look the <clears throat> the one the one. Well, yeah, let's let's hit for one second, because there's one additional thing I want to ask, which is like after obviously my explanation and going into the movie. Did did it kind of track Were there still surprising things or did it kind of feel like what we had discussed? I wish that you had told us that Drew Barrymore had dark hair in this movie. Because that completely changed <laughs> her care. I like this movie stinks. I'm not. No, not. I'm not joking. Like dark hair brunette Drew Barrymore is a different person 
than blonde Drew Barrymore, who I picture by default. Um, and so kind of edgy English teacher sitting next to the hottest guy in the class, Drew Barrymore, with dark hair. I'm like, you know what? I get it. Um, legitimately, like she showed up on screen. I was like, ah, uh, okay. I see this <laughs> Everything I'm, clicks. You're yeah. like, yeah. And that's, and so Frank, it, um, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Now, universe. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, because otherwise... you know, primary universe, Drew Barrymore has blonde hair. <laughs> anyway, um, no, otherwise, I think it tracked pretty well. Um, I mean, I think part of that is is just the fact that, like, when you explained it, it tracked as in, I I don't understand what's happening, and then I watched the movie, and I was like, no, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I think Zach did as good of a job as he could have. <laughs> I, I think it tracked a hundred percent. It's it's a teen movie that you can enjoy as a teen movie that has this bigger sci-fi element about it, and I think that that's really how you pitched it, and that's exactly how it was. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm glad I did I, an okay job. I do feel like uh, the for some reason it just felt like the director like wanted to make a teen movie, but this was coming on the tail of so many teen movies that he had to throw something in. It was like we're just going to do this alternate universe bunny thing uh, is kind of what it felt like for me. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um, and, but and Ian, to, to, to that point, I, before we watched the movie, Zach sort of asked for our impressions and if we think we'll like it. Uh, and I, I made a comment to that end where it seems like a teen movie with just some sci-fi appended on to the end. And I think that's sort of it, but I would I would like to like hand up, walk back my comments there after having watched the movie, because I don't think it's a, a teen movie that just distinguishes itself for the sci-fi element. Or, or rather, it, it, it might be, but I don't want to minimize that. The, the teen drama, it's enjoyable. Like the teenage bleeding heart, nobody understands me trope is still one I like in movies. It's fun to kind of go back to that place as a no longer teenager and be put in those shoes. I, I enjoyed that. And I think also to just say that the bunny stuff is slapped on at the end sort of minimizes the en really enduring sci-fi legacy that I feel like this movie leaves behind because people seemingly are still talking about it and still parsing it. So it's not so, just like a sci-fi piece. It's a, it's a mega sci-fi piece. Now, when you say sci-fi legacy... Uh, and you know, people are still talking about it. Do you think that's because it influences other sci-fi and um, people hold it up as a model of sci-fi, or people are still talking about it because uh, after twenty years, everyone's still banging their head against the wall? It it might be more of the latter, but I, I still don't want that to detract from it. Like, I, I, granted, I've never had a conversation with someone about the movie itself because I'd never seen it, but I, I knew it as a cult classic. Yep. And when, when Zach said, well, we're going to watch Donnie Darko, I knew what we were going to watch. It's not like this was some obscure thing. Like, it's right. still very culturally relevant. And whether mm -hmm. that's because it's, it's a really well-constructed and interesting sci-fi universe or because it's just a confusing one, I think it's a less important question than just the fact that it remains so big. Yeah. Yeah. You'd, you'd seen the movie poster. So you were, yeah. you knew we were getting it. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think 
like it's a good point um grant it does feel yeah there, there's there's something here about the way in which it all intertwines that makes it feel kind of like more than just it's like the, the component parts make it this grander thing you know and i also think that um it because there are explanations for this movie like you can you can gain an understanding if you do the reading even though i think in some ways it almost is sometimes it feels unsatisfying once you get the answer like there's something beautiful about the confusion that it leaves you with um and maybe that's just me romanticizing it but i do think that like it it, it lives on because it was this like it is that movie that leaves you so confused, but then you can create, you can find meaning in it, whether you want it like the literal meaning, which is available online, or you can <laughs> kind of create it for yourself, which I think is cool. Um, the other thing I just wanted to add is that I think what's also interesting is in explaining the movie, like, you know, the things that pop out when you, when you explain it rather than just watch it is like how absurd everything ramps up in the last 10 minutes. Like I'd never yep. realized when watching but then when I was explaining it and then I was like, oh, yeah. And all, by the way, like at this point, she gets run over. I was like, oh, my God, like this is just happening so rapidly. <laughs> and it doesn't hit you until you have to like say it out loud. And then like that's your next sentence. And now watching it, I'm like, yeah, this is like this is fast. This is he, mm -hmm. he just picks it up at the end. Yeah, no, definitely, uh, definitely squeezed it in. Um, and that all happens. Uh, I think that also. I don't know. It felt like an artistic choice too, where with just how literally how quickly stuff happened in some of those scenes where it was like runs over Jake Gyllenhaal pulls the gun, shoots Frank, right? It was like, boom, boom, boom. Um, and it felt like Richard Kelly um, purposefully was like, yeah, we're going to go Mach five uh, in these last 15 minutes. Yeah. I, 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 I do think, well, <clears throat> I don't know if it's an artistic choice, but to me, it feels like it might be because the way it ramps up, uh, you, you kind of leave stunned. And if you go get an explanation of what happened, I think it motivates a second watch of the movie. So you can see the elements that, that will lead to the final sort of destiny last 10 minutes of the movie. Like if you go read an explanation, which we won't need to get into all of it here, but you go into the philosophy of time travel stuff. And if you go watch the movie again and see how present it is earlier in the movie. And then I think the, uh, the, I don't know, the paths that lead out of people's chests at certain, certain points. It, the, the story, the story doesn't have, a, I don't think it really has any plot holes that I'm aware of once you see the explanation and it actually does leave you some breadcrumbs along the way in hindsight. Mm -hmm. So so maybe that's an artistic choice to kind of blow things up at the end. So you're like, whoa, what the hell just happened? You see that explanation and now you're like, oh, I need to go watch it again so I can see how we got here. Because maybe it, on a second watch, it won't be as sudden. You'll see all the, the clues. Yeah. But by the way, quick, quick aside about... Um as we're talking about, you know, the ramp up of the end, right before she gets run over, they get like assaulted by the bullies. Uh, Seth Rogen, not a believable bully for me. Like not for one second. Really? <laughs> yeah. And oh. I mean, it's definitely just because I've seen him in as Seth Rogen, but yeah, he showed up and was like brandishing a knife. And I was like, Seth, c come on, dude. Like 
put that away. <laughs> Leave it to the guys who really know. Yeah, right. Like yeah. this, this isn't you. Come I mean, on. that's why he couldn't be the lead bully, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, um, but I liked him as the second bully because I, I think of his character in Freaks and Geeks, which is sort of a, I don't know, questioning character. Like he doesn't really. He, he's he's learning and his mind is opened up in that show and I don't know if he has that many opinions for himself. He's just like part of the crowd until he sort of comes into his own because of a relationship in that show. Uh, but here it's like, I believe him as the secondary bully character because he is just kind of going along. He's kind of doddering. Um, he's cruel, but in a way that he doesn't understand. I, maybe I'm doing too deep an analysis of Seth Rogen's like bullshit little role in this movie. <laughs> but like, you know... I can believe him as any kind of lost teen. Yeah. All right. No, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I get that. I mean, but again, that is to, your, to that point. Yes, I think that's why he is the second bully. Like he would never be cast as the lead bully of like a group. Um, yes. But I do want to open it up to what other stuff you want to talk about, Grant. Like we can start hitting the the theory. Yes. So I, if, if it's all good, Ian, I'm going to get into some of the sci-fi pieces and this sort of. I think this maybe requires having read the explanation of the movie, but but I'll I'll try to keep it keep yep. it to so, a level even if you didn't read it. I'll, I'll I'll try to make it work. I have not read it, so I'll be the you know the standards for <clears throat> the listeners who have not read. Um, Excellent, not even read. better. Yeah. Okay, so when I talked about my kind of journey with this movie, I enjoyed watching it. I read the explanation, didn't like it, and then I sort of liked it at the end. Um, I, I like sort of the legacy it leaves behind and I liked the process of learning what happened in the movie but the sci-fi world that Richard Kelly constructs to me is actually not that interesting it's not that intriguing um, you know the positive things I'll say about it again are that it's sort of like a multimedia experience you you go finish the movie and you want to go read about it you want to go talk to people about it you want to I don't know learn more about it and then maybe you want to go and watch again so that's the positive thing I'll say about it. But what I don't like about the movie is the way that the quote manipulated living fit into the equation. Uh, I, I read just one explanation online. So this was, I don't know, random internet article, but believing what they say about the movie, uh, there are two universes in this movie, the tangent universe and the primary universe and everything in this movie happens inside the tangent universe except for i guess the very 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 end mm -hmm. uh without explaining the connection between those two worlds i'll just talk about the manipulated living um anyone who was alive in the tangent universe is called a manipulated living they are characters that unconsciously propel the chosen one, Jake Gyllenhaal, forward towards his destiny. They don't even know it. They are just propelling him towards a realization, you know, doing the right things to put him in the right circumstances so that he realizes what he has to do. And the explanation for why any of those characters make a decision that might bring Jake Gyllenhaal to a particular point on his journey is just that, I don't know, because they were meant to. It just was their path. Um, and that idea, narratively, I, I don't like because it feels like a silver bullet you can use to justify anything. 
it, it, it flattens the characters. Why did this character do this? Oh, just because they were meant to. Uh, and, and in some ways, it, it almost feels more like a religious perspective than a scientific one or a religious construct than a scientific one, where it's like predetermination for these characters that walk a set path, uh, which, is, which is fine. But again, I'll just go back to the narrative side of that, saying these characters do things just because they do is nothing to me. It makes the characters less interesting and it gives them less depth. Yeah. I I understand that. It takes away some of the yeah, some of the feeling of like character motivations and independence of exactly. like making any decision making. Um I and again that's why it's like I, I think it's really fun that it's a movie that asks you to almost in a sense, like seek out answers if you want to understand it. But then it, it does feel, it does, it has, it, it felt even for me disappointing once I learned what it was. Like I, I find it rare that anyone ever feels like better after learning what actually happened. I think like the, the best parts of this movie are in somewhat in like, the the teen drama mixed with like the air of mystery and confusion of the sci-fi elements um so like yeah again i think it's great that you can find the answers but to your point grant it's like when you start to break it down there's always going to be these these sorts of holes in it and i think in some ways it almost detracts from it and it's it, it's kind of fun playing in the gray area more than it is having perfect clarity yeah and i think it's i mean i just think it's so much easier to make a fun ridiculous whatever movie when you don't need to actually like figure out the details of what's happening um i mean it's the same kind of thing as with lost right like the first however many seasons of lost were great when all this random stuff was happening and everyone was like what's going on Mm -hmm. and i don't think anyone knew what was going on including the people including the people who are running the show uh jj abrams right um and then by the time they actually had to be like oh here's an explanation it just made it way worse um and i do wonder if that comes from it feels like you're almost working backwards uh where for lost and for in, in this case too um you start with the ridiculous things right you start with Frank in a bunny suit and the hands beckoning and whatever. And then you kind of fit an explanation around it. Um, I think that, I think when that's the case, that's when the explanation makes it way worse. Uh, When it feels like the explanation kind of fits the plot instead of vice versa. You can't see me, but I'm sitting in my chair nodding. (laughs) That is exactly how I feel. Uh, and I guess I'll put a bow on it in the, in the most cliche way possible, but I, I truly believe this. This movie's all about the journey, not about the destination. <laughs> yeah. All about the journey. Yeah, 100%. Once we got there, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good summation of, of my feelings of it, where during the journey, I was like, I like this. I like, you know, I, I, I like this. I like seeing where we're going. And then we got to the end and I was like, wait, wait, where are we now? Um, 
so I, I liked the journey, like you said, much more than um, kind of the wrap up of it. Um, I want to I think I think I'm going to ask for you guys final reviews on this movie. But before I do that, I do want to say one one last thing um, or two things, I guess. One is that there is a sort of sequel that follows Donnie's sister, Samantha, called S. Darko, that Richard Kelly was not associated with, but a studio made. It is supposed to not be very good. I've never watched it, but it is there if any listeners are interested. It's and just the Dukakis campaign. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> well, she, she ends up becoming a politician, and she runs the campaign for Clinton, actually. Ah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but the other thing, which I think is incredibly interesting, is... This movie was made for like $8 million and it made more than that. Although I think it took time in some ways for it to make that money back because it became a cult classic over time. Uh, But Richard Kelly became a bit of like, you know, one of those young, hot on the street writer directors. And they actually approached him to write a screenplay for the for the book Holes which people have probably know more commonly as the version with Shia LaBeouf that was produced by Disney. Uh, he, this man wrote the most insane <laughs> screenplay for holes. It like knowing the version that we have all seen and then reading what this guy like put out into the world is insane. It is like, it is post-apocalyptic and they're Whoa. working on the holes camp. So I'm just throwing it out there because I think everyone, if they're intrigued, should read this screenplay. And if I remember, I'm going to do my best to remember to put it on the Instagram page for the podcast, a link to, I'll just have it in Google Drive. That's where I have it. Uh, Everyone should check that out. Uh, It didn't end up happening. Richard Kelly never made anything quite to the same level as Donnie Darko, but uh, very interesting. Like what happens after you have one big hit movie and the studio says, oh, we want your perspective on this. And then how far off the rails it can go. Wow. Um, That is fascinating so yeah with that being said what are your guys final reviews on donnie parker good dark teen movie not good sci-fi movie i think that's my one sentence uh my one sentence summation would you put it on a scale? And I'm not going to force you to. But <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was your way of not doing it. And you know what? That's okay. You can put, you can, you can pass. Um, above average, certainly. Um, it was like, I would say it was, you know, like a, a seven out of 10 while I was watching it and then dropped to around a five and a half in the last five minutes. And when I had to think about it afterwards, <laughs> there and grant well, uh, <clears throat> well i mean to, to ian's sort of style of reviewing it a lot of sites <laughs> don't do numbers because they don't want to stupid people okay uh, fair I mean, but, but I i'll can... but i'll but i'll do numbers i'll, I'll say things about my my line earlier that's how i feel about the movie this is a movie that is about the journey and not about the destination and, and as a result of that, uh, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Not the movie itself, wow. but the experience of, of having watched it. And, and so few movies these days that I, I watch and I need to go like, read about what I, what I just saw. I mean, I'll go in with most movies, look up actors after it. Maybe look at 
what other projects the directors worked on, but rarely do I need to go back and, and read like, what did I just watch like in, in the plot? Uh, and that's, that's pretty unique. I think that's really cool. Maybe it just speaks to the type of movies I watch. Maybe I watch too many Marvel movies or <laughs> simple linear movies, but uh, no, I, I, I really enjoy the experience. So I'm going to stick with that nine out of 10. Wow. Well, quite the, uh, the praise for the journey there. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I get, don't ask I get, me to rate the movie. I'm only yeah. The just the journey. Um, well, Again, I mean, I, I hope it was at least an enjoyable experience for watching, and I hope the listeners got a kick out of it. I think that does it for us on this Donnie Darko episode. Um, don't have a teaser for what the next subject movie is going to be, but stay tuned. We will post it on our Instagram page once we have settled on that. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for joining me. Appreciate it. Yeah, pleasure, it was pleasure my to pleasure. be here.